repeat after me. Bugger off. Bugger off. Sod. Sod. Bloody. Bloody. Now put them all together. Bugger off, you bloody sod. Bugger off, you bloody sod. Okay, you're in. <laughs> Let's smash things up. guys welcome to wednesday night musical osmosis where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality i am your musically magnanimous host nick the saucy one cat source broadcasting to you live as always from the shadow of hurricane mountain and in the background always at the helm a girl who's only pissed what three tenths of the time one quarter of the time d the producer how Wait. often are you pissed d me yeah. Oh, uh, how often am I pissed? Um, a lot. <laughs> no, it, it I didn't want to say 80%. Well, it depends on the day. It really, really does. Um, there are days, you know, I, I, I'm a girl. That's just what I do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, today is the pissed. And, and we will be talking all about the pissed reunion. Yes. Let me get on Vernon here, because mm-hmm. today we've got a special co-host, speaking of pissed off women. Now, Fern's actually more hippie happy. Uh, let's get Fern in here, who's filling in today. I do want to give a really deep condolences to my co-host, our co-host Odell. His father passed away this morning and that's why he's not with us today. And we've got Fern in here, right Fern? Yes, yes. And I'm happy to be here, but sad, uh, sad for Odell. And um, I'm only hippie happy most of the time with most people, but I do get really pissed. I have, uh, I have some split doors to uh attest to that so i i can get pissed but yeah most of the time i'm happy well i hope next time now that i've turned you on to the pissed i hope next time you're pissed you play the pissed 
Play it in the background <laughs> of every argument you have. It makes it spectacular. But the cool thing is, is that like you can like you can be pissed and listen to the music and like get that out. But then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, this is awesome and it's like really unifying. And hey, let's all be cool to each other. Like it's at least from you know from my experience. And that's the really cool thing about the pest. It's 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 such a dichotomy and. Ah, it's great. Well, I have been a hardcore Piss fan for like 20 years, and you checked out some of their music today, and you're like, yeah, I was playing it with Kenny, and it was really weird because the music is so aggressive, yet when you read the lyrics, there's such uh, tones of like unity and love and positive message, and I was like, yeah, man. I said, this. I've been saying this for years. A punk rocker is just a hippie with a pipe bomb. Well, yeah, not only just that, man, personal accountability, too. Like, there's a lot of personal accountability thrown in there when you look at, like, um, true love. Like, you know, there's... Deal with it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some there's some tons of personal accountability in there, and I like it because I'm a I'm a personal accountability person. You know, if you screw up, you're a human being. You screw up, admit it, learn from it, move on. Don't repeat the mistake. You know, don't just continue your life being a douchebag. Politically, like I come from the punk world where do it yourself and kind of blaze your own path and personal accountability was kind of like the ringing anthem of the punk scene. And then you talk to people like from the right and they're like, you fucking libtards, you know, personal accountability. And I'm like, are you joking? Are you insane? Like I, I don't know. I don't want to get into a political conversation right yeah, now. Yeah, we could go. We could we could go for hours. I will never get in here. He'll be sitting here at ten o'clock. Like shut the fuck up, you mean? <laughs> no, we we got to get him in. All right, D. Why don't you tell everybody what we have coming up so we can get Alan here? We have got ten tons of really really cool things um, coming up as always. Um, next up, we have Christine Madrano is going to join us on the funny thing about politics and. Colette Myers will be on Kettle of Fish with us. Uh, then we are going to have uh, John S. Hall on the next musical Osmosis. Um, then I, I hope I'm saying this right. We're going to have Yadoye Travis on. Then we're going to have Vermin Supreme back. We're going to have Rachel Mason. We're going to do the 21 Punk Salute. I, really? What aren't we going to do? Lots of good stuff coming on. Yes. All right, Grab well- your popcorn, kids. Finally, I'm going to get to see the Pissed live because they're playing some reunion shows. So let's get Al Pissed in here to talk about it. Al, what's up? Hey, what's up? going on, guys? Not much, man. Thank you for calling in late on a Wednesday night. Much ground oh. to cover tonight. Let's do it. Lots, let's get into lots it. Lots to talk about. All right. I sent you guys out this article from The Guardian. Usually me and Odell will pick a story, a music-related story to talk about before we get the guest in, but we don't consider you a guest anymore. We consider you a friend. <laughs> so we're going to have you kind of chime in on this article I sent out. The Guardian wrote an article um, basically talking about how these movements, these anti-fascist movements like Antifa and to a certain extent Occupy have their roots grounded in punk rock. And it also talked about something I've been struggling with, and we'll dig into this in a minute, is do you fight Nazism with preemptive violence or do you fight Nazism with love and unity and don't feed into the violence because hate begets hate. But so let's start off with this. Al, the first part of that article talking about how these Antifa anti-fascist type movements are grounded in just say 40 years of punk is what the article said. Do you agree with that? Do you think these movements are a direct output of that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think, you know, the, 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 
the roots of it came from you know well before punk rock but it certainly had its resurgence because i think a lot of the um you know nazis uh white nationalist scene was also kind of rooted in punk rock as well um so it, it made sense that you know the the people who were involved in, in the punk scene uh fought back against that within their own scene you know the uh you know the nazi skinhead movement that was around in you know the 70s and 80s um into the 90s they, you know it kind of died down for a little while after that i think because there was such a backlash against them um but you know i don't know if you remember in the <laughs> Yeah, for a, a while it was like you couldn't turn the TV on without seeing some kind of you know show uh, about Nazi skinheads or something like that back you know I'd say the mid to late 80s um, and into the 90s so well yeah, this is where definitely... I talk about personal accountability and I always use this as a talking point when one of my conservative friends are like man well you know everybody wants to say that the Republican Party are a bunch of racists and Nazis now and I said look this isn't liberals defining you guys as that this is nazis and alt-right extremist guys and fascists and racists declaring themselves the republican party and and they're defining the republican party by those standards so why don't you drive these fucking dudes out of the republican party like punks used to drive the nazis out of their scene in the 80s i mean isn't this kind of on them to drive these people out we can't do it from the outside well that you're absolutely right there i think that uh you know, if you show up to a rally, no matter what your your political belief is, and you know uh, the people standing next to you on, on your side of of the line, uh, you know, are wearing swastikas and you know, sigiling and saying racist things. You know, do you stand there next to them and continue, or do you, you know, essentially aligning yourself with them? You know, or do you kick them out? And that's kind of what what happened in the punk scene. You know, you're you're absolutely right. You know, they would they would show up at our shows and they'd get run out. Yeah. You know? And Fern, somebody who has grown up with conservative values, has voted Republican, you know, nine out of ten times in your life in every election, someone whose husband is very conservative. Why will the Republican Party not do what the punks did in the eighties with these Nazi assholes? Well, I, I think, you know, coming from not the punk world, like I was never embedded into the punk scene. Like I kind of dipped into the grunge scene a little bit uh, for the, yeah, I'd say more than a little bit, probably a lot. Um, I've always had a very eclectic taste in music, anything from classical to hard rock to grunge to punk to, I mean, you name it, pretty much everything except for country. But old school country, I kind of like. Um, you know, I've just been... I don't know, man. I grew up in a in a place where diversity just didn't exist, and I was probably lucky to grow up in a place where diversity didn't exist to a large extent because it was never a problem, and everybody just kind of accepted everybody else, and there wasn't a huge like turf war or whatever. And as far as the Republicans go, like maybe 
I'm trying to bring it back to like the Reagan conservatism versus like the racist conservatism. And I do think that these squeaky wheels are getting a lot more voice than they should have. And definitely they need to be protested against. Even Republicans need to come out and say, look, this is not okay. And you are seeing that with a lot of the elected officials going, no, 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 you need to denounce the KKK. You need to denounce the skinheads. Like this is not okay. So I don't think that they are entirely defining the party. But I do think there needs to be more voices coming out against it. I just don't know if violence is the answer to do that. Well, let's um, kind of dig into that. Al, there's a lyric in one of your songs that says, and I, I, no, I love all your lyrics, but it says, fight them in the streets and fight them in the courts and fight them, on the, or, or fight them with our fists, but only as a last resort. And Thomas Bennett, or Barnett, excuse me, from Strike Anywhere, was like, not only is preempted violence against Nazis okay, it's necessary to kind of just preemptively come in and take these guys out. In your opinion, are we in last resort territory? Is it time to fight them with our fists, like the singer of Strike Anywhere says? Or do we do what Jello Biafra says? And, you know, he said in the article, I'm not down with confronting the extreme right provocations with violence, with actual violence. I mean, self-defense is one thing, but going to a Trumpist rally with the express purpose of beating up fascists, what does that accomplish? Who's the fascist now? It plays right into their hands. So are you leaning with Jello Biafra on this, or are you leaning with um, Thomas Barnett from Strike Anywhere? I'll tell you, I, I, I hate to waffle on this, but <laughs> I kind of really do feel both ways about it. Um, Same here. Know, I, know, yeah. I, I, I know ideologically, I feel like, you know, um, if you if you are going to throw fists, you know, with somebody, then you're kind of losing the battle before you start. But if I were in that position, <laughs> you know, I don't know what I would do. You know, I don't know if my emotions would take over, you know, if I saw that, you know, Nazis marching through the streets of my town, you know, if I would take up arms against them, you know, it, it's, it's a really, uh, it's a fine line, I think. Um, but I mean, they both yeah, have their points. I, I see, I see that their whole, you know, their whole philosophy is to take rights away from other people to essentially, you know, stop a race of people um, from existing. So, you know, I, I could certainly justify <laughs> in my own mind, you know, using violence to stop that. Yeah, and I and I I'm right with you. I told Fern today. I I, I kind of yeah. waffle back and forth between fight them in the streets, fight them with our fists, and kind of taking the more passive approach of just kind of passive resistance. But there was a, a quote in there from this guy from the punk scene in the '80s, and he's like, "Look, Nazi punks came to our shows. We beat the shit out of them, and it fucking worked. They didn't come back." So isn't that kind of – these guys are cowards and bullies, and if you run them out with your fist, won't they just go look for weaker prey or climb back under the rocks they came from, Al? Yeah. I mean it certainly did did work to a a certain extent within the scene, you know, like we had talked about. It's, you know, they were essentially physically removed (laughs) from shows, from, you know, any kind of event. They just weren't welcome. You know, they were blockaded. They were – you know, I, I just don't know if maybe maybe there's a smarter way. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. I I think yeah, I, I have a lot of strange ideas about <laughs> about ways to uh, to do this. None that I've tried yet or anything, but 
you know, um, I, I would always be more for confusing people and, and doing subterfuge. Good tactic. You know, um, you know, if, if a certain group that we were against showed up somewhere to, you know, have everybody kind of just stand with them, <laughs> dress like them, and just confuse everybody and say, you know, the opposite of what they're saying. And, you know, just, uh, I don't know, something, something, uh, I, I have a feeling, I, I feel like there's, there's untapped um, methodologies that can be used. Here. Well, um, I hope we can put them together, man, because this is becoming a real problem. Fern, listening yeah. to us, listening to what I had said earlier to you on the phone and listening to some of Al's lyrics and kind of understanding the world we come from, you can see um, the struggle we're having, right? I mean, you're not unsympathetic to the back and forth that we're having of maybe violence, maybe not violence, maybe violence, because I know you're falling way more on the passive side. Oh yeah, I, I've always I always believe there's a better way. And like I told you on the phone today, if if you know I'm in a situation, I will either de-escalate or remove myself from the situation before it ever comes down to last resort violence. I will either remove myself completely or try to, you know I'll try to de-escalate and have a conversation with somebody and try to try to logic people, um, not necessarily to bring them to my side but to have an open conversation and validate each other's opinions without being hateful or disrespectful. I will fire a a warning shot over the bow um, and say, look, you're going to be disrespectful, then you're just going to get blocked or whatever. But it's different when you have someone in your face. It's different when you're at a show. It's different when you have, you know, somebody with their finger two inches from your nose. And I can't say that I wouldn't knock somebody out myself. I've been known to do it. I've been in a bar fight with three dudes. It's not that it can't happen. I just really choose not to do that and get myself to that point because I don't think that there's ever a positive result that comes from violence. Yeah, but people who only understand violence, don't you have to kind of talk in their language? If they don't understand logic or refuse to understand reason, don't you have to talk to them in the language of violence because it's the only language they speak? Well, I'm a people watcher, and I think over the years, having experience with people, I've learned to um, recognize those warning signs and those red flags and those triggers and understand what type of that person is before it ever gets to that point. And perhaps that's all they will understand, but perhaps what they'll understand is losing enough and being ostracized enough that they have to take a look at themselves and be introspective and say, you know what, maybe there's something going on with me that I need to fix. I need to change. And I just choose not to engage those people to that point. Like I said, it's, it's not like it could never happen. I've been really pissed off before. And I mean, I can lose my temper just like anybody. But I've, it's not worth it because it never has led and never will lead to a positive result other than that person's still going to hate your guts. If you resort to violence, they're still going to hate you. As a matter of fact, they're going to be even more resolved to hate you and your opinion from that point moving forward. And what good does that do any, any, anybody or anything? It just puts more negative in the world. So I just try to be as positive or as I can. Or makes them climb back under the rocks they came from, like it did in the punk scene in the 80s. Until they get behind closed doors and beat their wife, or they call up one of their friends and flip out because they said good morning on Facebook. Well, what the hell does that mean? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're going to take it out on somebody. That's what these people do. It's never their fault. It's always somebody else. So yeah, pissing them off even die. more just makes... 
it more miserable for other people. To me, because he might go punch some other guy out at the Seven Eleven. Oh hell no! And you know that I called one of our friends into check at my house, who was using derogatory terms. Everybody around the table was listening, and I was like, "Wait a second! Am I the only one that has a problem with this? You are not going to use that in my house. You are not going to use that language in my house. You are not going to throw the N word out there in my house. It's just not going to happen. I will call it into check, and may, that's tough love. But I wasn't an asshole about it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I was violent. Next year and lost his mind and went completely insane. So not yeah, a whole lot of introspection going on in the master race, it seems like. Nope, and that's why that person will never, ever, ever be welcome in my door, ever. Well, and what, but what if he's not welcome and he goes home and beats his wife? I mean, I can't do anything about that. Exactly. I, can, point I can't control them. I can only control me, and that's not the person that I am, and that's the person that I choose not to be because I know I'm capable of it, but I choose not to be that person because it only makes me look like the asshole. I bring myself down to their level. I'm not putting any good in the world. I want to keep myself on a good level and affecting change where I can affect change and not waste the energy where I can't affect change. All righty. Well, I don't think we're going to come to a peace accord tonight, so let's talk some pissed. Al, you are in the process of playing a handful of pissed reunion shows something i've been hoping to see for 20 years my dumbass missed you guys the first time you came around Mm -hmm. um let me start with the most obvious question why now and is this the all the original piss lineup okay so uh why now is because it we get uh offers occasionally from people um sometimes it's the same people who contact us just about every year and say, you know, I'm doing, you know, whatever fest and could you guys play? And we'll say, uh, you know, I'll send a message out because I usually field most of the uh, correspondence from the band. So I'll send a message out to everybody and say, can we do it? And most of the time it's no, it's not a good time. So um, this time around, we got a, an offer to play a fest in Philadelphia. And uh, I sent the message out and everybody was like, yeah, I think I can do it. So that's what we're going to do. And it seems like, you know, it's a good time to, uh, to have our voices be heard again. Um, I think that, you know, uh, it's pretty shocking when I'm going back over, um, some of these songs that how relevant a lot of them are that were written 20 years ago, um, more than 20 years ago today. Um, and as far as the lineup, we are three quarters of our original members. Um, our bass player hasn't played with us for the last few rounds of shows, but uh, we've got somebody from Baltimore who's been who's been uh, with us the last couple times. So, right on. Well, let me backtrack on something you said because I think it's pretty important. Every time I have a politically charged band with a long history like you guys on here, whether it be MDC, we just had Dave Dichter on. Mm-hmm. I talked about the same thing. Narcoleptic Youth, yeah. Warrior Soul. I, you know, I always point out you guys as music and your lyrics, especially, is just as relevant, if not more relevant today than when you wrote it 20 years ago. And I, this just goes to show, like, to use uh, a piss song, ideas are bulletproof. It does it get depressing because you're like, well, damn, man, I was singing about this 20 years ago and I had to go back out and pound the pavement and sing about the same bullshit today. Nothing's changed. Yeah. I, it, it, it actually, yeah, it just, <laughs> but, 
you know, we can't, we can't just say like, Oh, well, I guess we're irrelevant now, <laughs> you know, and uh, the world is a better place. And, uh, the things that, that, you know, we felt we had to, uh, you know, get a message out about, you know, are, are no longer, um, well, no longer relevant. So, but it's not that, not the case. Um, they're still, yeah, it, we could argue too that things are a lot worse now than they were 20 years ago. Yeah, I can so, agree I mean, with that. You know, it, yeah, it's, I mean, some there certainly are things that that are better, but um, but as a whole, I think, uh, especially you know, in the last year, things certainly have gone downhill. Yep. Some, okay. of the, some of the headway that was made over the past 20 years is kind of you know in jeopardy. I totally, totally agree. I, I'm like I, I have nothing to say because I agree with you totally. Let me let me ask you this then: When you're picking out your set list, are you picking it out by songs that you love? Are you picking out by like crowd favorites? Or are you going through and going these ten songs are the more the most relevant lyric wise to what we're trying to say today? Because right to choose, like that's a song. Of course, everybody's still talking about abortion, but I don't think it's as a focal point today as it was twenty years ago. Are you just disregarding things that aren't as applicable today as then, and just doing the set list by what's relevant? We're we're doing a little of both, but that certainly has come into play because you know a song that you quoted before, uh, "Dead in Its Tracks." We really didn't play that one live very often, but we certainly are bringing it back this time around because it deals with with racism. Yeah, and I know it sucks that you still have to sing about these things, but Mm -hmm. it's so good that this stuff, that your lyrics sustain and are so relevant. I mean, I can't imagine. I'd like to meet the guy where, like, fucking Cherry Pie by Warren still means something to him. Like, he's still putting Cherry, like, Cherry Pie gets me! This is like, like, there's no 45-year-old middle-aged man, I hope not, rocking out the Cherry Pie and feeling the same connection they did when they were, like, drunk on cheap vodka and their pento at 20. So it is kind of cool. I mean, I'm sure they're here and there, but as a whole, it's good to have. It's good to know that you did such good work that that music is sustaining. It's sad that there's a need for it, but it's good that you Mm -hmm. just weren't churning out like Motley Crue bullshit 20 years ago, and Mm -hmm. 20 years later, you can still be proud of what you did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, and you know, we're 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 excited to play again. You know, just the the thrill of you know playing live shows in front of people who are excited to see us um, is always great. <laughs> you know, um, you know, with our, with our other bands, I mean, I, I like playing with my other bands just as much, but you know, we certainly don't have the, um, the interest that, that the pissed has, you know, or had. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So let's kind of do it this way. First, I'm going to be annoying fanboy here and ask you actually fucking beg you, implore you, when are you going to write some new piss songs? We're working on some right now. <laughs> we uh, we're going to get some a few songs together. I don't think we're going to be able to have any complete by um, or any of these shows. But it's something that, that we've talked about. Um, we've come up with some music. I've got some lyric ideas. Um, nothing completed yet, but we're talking about it. And if you know, it's got to it's got to measure up to what we've done in the past. Otherwise, if it doesn't, then no one will ever hear it. <laughs> but us. <laughs> so, um, if we could, if you know, if we still have that that chemistry, and you know, we could still put the songs together the way that we used to, and maybe, um, you know, 
add a little bit more wisdom from the last, you know, 20 something years into the mix, then, you know, then you will be hearing something sometime soon. Well, in my punk days, a hundred years ago, I used to write most of the lyrics and I got to tell you, if I had to write lyrics today as upside down as this fucking country is, I don't even know how I, I would approach like a cohesive message that wouldn't alienate like half the audience. Do you think it's harder to write these kind of lyrics from a 45, what, you know, middle, middle age man's perspective yeah. than it was when you were all fired up at 22, 23? <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly, yeah. The, I wouldn't say that they're going to be more moderate by any means because I still pretty much feel the same way that I did. But, um, yeah, there may be different ways to say things that, uh, I, I don't know. I'll we'll have to see when, when I really start putting the, the pad, the pen to the pad and, uh, see what comes out. But, you know, one of the things that, um, I really was conscious of for whatever reason at the time was trying to write things that didn't, they weren't too specific to a time, a place, you know, or a specific person for the most part. So that may be some of the reason why, you know, some of these songs are still relevant now because it's more of writing about an idea or a feeling than, you know, about a specific event. Yeah, no 20-year-old's going to be able to, like, relate to Reaganomics by DRI. (laughs) Right, right. Yes, I totally get that, and that's smart. Well, we're going to come see you. You know, you can update the songs kind of how, you know, NBC has done or, you know, Jello Biafra has done. (laughs) Which is also smart. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, have you guys played? We're coming up to see you in November. I'm finally going to get my pissed wish and see you guys live. (laughs) Have you guys played? Are you guys already playing reunion shows or does that kick off next month? Um, Our first one is November 4th, and that's going to be in Brooklyn with uh, Citizens Arrest, which is going to be exciting. And, um, and our friends from the Degenerates from New Jersey. So that's going to be the first show. Uh, we've been rehearsing, and uh, that's been going fairly well. We, uh, we rehearse in, in Philly. That's kind of uh, our guitarist owns a record store there, and he's got a rehearsal space. Uh, right on. Half of, our, half of our band is in Baltimore. I'm in Connecticut, so Philly's sort of the halfway point. But uh, So uh, Baltimore is going to be the 11th of November at the Sidebar. Uh, we're very excited for that as well. And our drummer's band is going to be playing in one of the opening spots too. So Nice. I'd be interested to yeah. see what that crowd's going to be like. If it's going to be a lot of people from back in the day, if it's going to be a lot of um, crossover from the Deacons and M13, or if it's going to be all new shiny, happy faces. You know, that's, that's one thing I can say that uh, we always draw a pretty diverse crowd of people. Um, that's, a, that's something I've always been, you know, we as a band, I've been proud of is that, you know, there's all kinds of people. Cause I, I think that for whatever reason, um, we've managed to, to just draw in people from all different scenes. I think we had a little, uh, a brief moment, um, when we got in that lookout records compilation years ago, that kind of brought in a lot of people from the pop punk scene that, that were listening to us. Um, we always played shows with bands like, you know, Los Crudos and Los Rotten. And we kind of had that, um, more kind of crusty political crowd as well. Um, we have songs that are, you know, kind of, you know, straight up punk rock songs. And, you know, we used to play with Blank 77 and, you know, those kind of bands a lot. So a lot of skinheads come to see us too, you know, because we have some kind of always sounding songs. And so I think, uh, you know, 
I, I'm hoping that we get that same diverse crowd coming out to see us now. And that's a hell of an accomplishment for a band like you, as opposed to, let's say, a punk band like No Effects. That's catchy. And like, you know, we would play No Effects, bands like that, or the Vindictives, really catchy, harmonious bands. And even like the college chicks that would hang out at our house was like, ooh, I like this. And it's, yeah. it's really harder <laughs> with the aggressive type of music you play to turn on the average person to, who has never really listened to punk. I mean, Fern, I know this has got to sound more aggressive to you than, say, if you listen to Blink-182 or Green Day. Not that Green Day is a punk band or even really Blink-182, but they're in oh. that bucket, kind of. Well, yeah, and, you know, I like Green Day. Um, you know, my my biggest, like, hard hardcore punk, I don't even know if you guys, being from that world would even consider it hardcore punk is DRI and I love DRI as a matter of fact I introduced my son to DRI when he was like 9, 10 years old he'd like you know because I mean I give my kids chores they have to I've got four kids I mean it's a lot to keep up with and they need to be responsible for themselves and understand that they all need to pitch in so my kid would put pop in DRI and vacuum the house listening to DRI which I thought was cool (laughs) well now he can dust to the pissed yeah, I totally have to introduce him to the pest, and I think he will dig it. Like, he's kind of into the dubstep thing right now, but he does appreciate um, different genres of music, older, newer, doesn't really matter. And, you know, for me, I like the energy. I've always been all about music's energy. Like, I'm a huge Metallica freak. I love Metallica. When I was pregnant, they told me at the hospital, like, bring music that relaxes you. And I brought, like, (laughs) Injustice for All album. And they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, this music relaxes me. I would throw on DRI or Metallica on my way home from work to decompress because the music allows me to get the energy out. Metallica puts me to sleep now. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, it was about getting that aggression out through the music, and the the music is aggressive, but the lyrics are so important. I don't want people to like turn it on and hear the music and skip by the lyrics because mm-hmm. it, it's 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 a it's like a buffet, man. I mean, it's like it's like having your vegetables, your starch, and your meat all on your plate. It's a complete meal when you listen to the piss. You get everything in there. You feed your soul. You feed your anger, your passion, your aggression, your happiness, your sadness. Like you feed everything when you listen to that, and it's that's what's important to me. I want music to to feed me, not just be something that's noise in the background. And the pest is definitely feeding me. I love it. It's great. I'm going to try to come up in November. On my writing, too, and I always say Al Piss is my favorite lyricist, and when I wrote songs like, you know, Office Politics or FBI Guy, you have such a straightforward, cut-and-dry way of writing lyrics. Like, I kind of was influenced by that template. Is it weird when you talk to people like me and we're like, man, dude, like, your band really had an influence on my creative process? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a little weird, Um, but I certainly can relate because, you know, of all the bands that, you know, I came up listening to, you know, that, uh, you know, MDC being one of them <laughs> for sure, you know, that, that they certainly had a big influence on me. Um, you know, seven seconds, dead yeah. candies, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of those, you know, West coast political kind of bands. Um, so yeah, that, you know, I, I, I can relate, <laughs> um, 
because I've certainly gotten some people, you know, talked to some people uh, who had influenced me and kind of did the same thing. So, <laughs> yeah. And I love, like I said, straightforward lyrics. I mean, I love bad religion, mm. but they're so kind mm-hmm. of folksy about the way that they write. And I think two of them are college professors. So that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But I just love like the lunch pail lyrics that you write that anybody can grab onto. And once again, office politics when that pops in my head it's like that's got al pissed written all over it because it's so it's such a straightforward everybody gets it automatically yeah it's office politics yeah i get it and that's i think that's the best way to write that's the way i've always tried to write so i mean is this something that's by design or is it just how things come out of you or is it just like you said you're influenced by mdc and it doesn't really get more cut and dry than that (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, like I was saying before, I try to, you know, to get to get to the point to kind of kind of see, you know, and that's the way I am in my in my everyday life too, is trying to see all the sides of everything um and just trying to put it out as plainly as possible but um with uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit of um, you know, I I I try to uh, arrange it in a way that makes sense to me and that I, you know, I think is appealing to people. And, you know, there's been a couple of times I've, you know, we've, we've written some things that, you know, like it, we need like kind of an anthem. So, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll kind of craft a song in that, that way. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's just how they kind of come out, I guess. Right on. Okay. We're going to play some dead in its tracks. Um, and you had just brought this up. Racism. It's been a topic in the punk community for a very long time. Mm-hmm. P- really politically charged. It's so, and we've talked about this so many times on the political show, how punk was like, oh, screw you, punk rockers, go get out of our country, commie. And then it was kind of embraced by Tea Party extremists for the eight years Obama was president. Like, yeah, burn. I mean, I always tell the story about my buddy Pickle. I played Annie Flag, Die for Your Government, or Die for the Government mm-hmm. for him, like back when, before Obama was president. And he's like, turn this fucking liberal, anti-American music off. And then I played it for him a couple years ago in Fern's Garage, the same song. And I was like, you like this? He's like, yeah, I love it. Fuck the government. I said, really? Because you said I was an anti-American, like, liberal commie <laughs> when I played it for you like five years ago. And it's like, I'm standing in the same place, but the pendulum keeps swinging to where this year I'm like this American hating commie. And this year I'm a sheep who doesn't hate the government enough. And that's always kind of been this weird dichotomy to me that people's political opinions move so sporadically now. I mean, I don't even know. You know, Fern said it best. There is no Republican Party. They're all rhinos. Because yep. you have no idea what the Republican Party stands for now. Because there's like 20 different types of Republicans. Mm-hmm. Right, Fern? Political cannibalism. Oh, yes. And I never <laughs> called you an anti-government fucking commie. I, I didn't never say to. I said that. Pickle did in your garage. Oh, I thought you said I did. I was like, man, that doesn't sound like something I would say. Like, no, ever no, I said at Pickle. All. I was in your garage. I was playing Annie Flag in your garage, the same song, Die for Your Government. And Pickle was like, oh, I love this song. And I was like, well, you hated it five years ago. I was like, it's <laughs> anti-American <laughs> commie music. So, all right, let's play some Dead in its Track, the Woohoo! Sounds good. Start to unite, but yellow, white, and black. How much must we 
bullshit. Dead in the trash. When you say these assholes have the rights, I gotta disagree. If they have the way, you know they take them from you and me. Fight them in the streets and we will fight them in the courts. Fight them with our fists, but only he has a last resort. Soccer unite, red, yellow, white, and black. How much must we take before we fight back? back? Gotta end the hatred and the attacks. Stop this racist bullshit. Get in the trash. They're so afraid of what they don't understand in the world. Acting without reason like scared little boys and girls. So afraid they gotta hide behind their racial purity. Taking pride in that only shows their insecurity. No color, no pride, no power, no lies, no more victims, no more abuse, no more violence, there's no excuse. Sucker, you're not, but you're all white and black. How am I supposed to take before we fuck back? Dying the hatred and the attacks. Stop this racist bullshit. Dead in its tracks. The power sucks down from the color of our skin. If it's gonna stop, then we must begin To feel no pride based on our race Diversity is what we embrace Gotta end the hatred and the attacks Stop this racist bullshit Dead in its tracks Alrighty, Al, I want to finish up with this You are in two other bands, The Deacons and M13 You play bass in both of those, correct? I do, I do I got to ask Absolutely. you this right off the bat because you posted your pissed upcoming piss schedule on your page. I think it was yesterday mm-hmm. or the day before. And the first thing yep. that popped in my head, how in the fuck, or I guess people could say the same thing about me in podcasting, but how are you <laughs> balancing three bands with work and everyday life? It seems impossible. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, like it should be able to happen. <laughs> Somehow we're doing it. Um, you know, luckily, um, you know, my my wife is 100% on board with <laughs> with with the music and everything and you know she came up in in bands as well even though she's not in a band now but um you know so she totally understands and uh you know when I'm out at all these shows i mean she goes to them too but um you know it's she's holding down the fort a lot of times here taking care of the cats and what would we do without our women now cuz i couldn't do this without <laughs> thee you damn right you could no for sure for sure <laughs> Right uh, on. But yeah, it's it's a it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy end of the year. But uh, it's that's how we like to do it. <laughs> well, I I remember you said that M13's working on a new full length album, and the Deacons are working on a few new songs. Mm-hmm. What's how's that process coming along? Do you have an ETA on a new M13 album? Give us some details here. Um, we've got like uh, four or five new songs that we're working on right now. Um, we're gonna re-record some of the other songs that were, uh, you know, uh, on some of the seven inches, we're going to kind of pick, pick our favorites. So, uh, you know, we're hoping to maybe get together at least a dozen songs and hit the studio, you know, probably we're looking at the spring now, um, to record. I don't know how it's going to be released or, you know, I'm sure we're just going to end up putting it out ourselves, like, you know, everything else that we do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and the Deacons the same thing. We're kind of rebuilding the band with a with a piano player now. So nice. Um, yeah, so that's kind of uh, added another dimension to it. So we've reworked a lot of the old songs, and uh, you know we're writing new ones kind of around that. So yeah. You think you'll still be doing this at sixty, seventy years old? I mean, is this so encoded on your DNA at this point? You don't know how not to perform music. Yeah, I mean, I I hope I'll be doing something along those lines, you know, Uh, playing in a punk band, who knows, you know, Um, maybe, I mean, there there certainly has been precedent for it, you know, there's, there's bands, you know, now the bands that, you know, I grew up listening to that are still going, you know, Um, 
that's pretty crazy. Some of the yeah, when we had Dave around. on, I was like, "How in the hell are you still traveling around the <laughs> fucking world?" I could. I'm 46, and it would wipe me out. We went to New yeah. Orleans. We had to get up at like three in the morning to catch a plane. We flew uh-huh. down there, couldn't check in until three, four in the afternoon. So we walked around New Orleans, and I went to bed. I was like, "I'm going to take a nap at like 4:30," and I didn't wake up till like 9:30 the next day. Like it killed me <laughs> just with the jet yeah. lag and walking around and getting up at 3 a.m. It killed me to the point where I had to sleep like 15 hours to recover. I can't imagine that grind at 67 years old. Yeah, it's it's got to be crazy. And uh, my wife and I are jumping on a plane first thing in the morning. We're going out to San Francisco for a week. So. Oh, wow. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Fern, you've been doing a lot of traveling yourself this year too, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen Baltimore a few times. I've been to Maine a few times. Like, I've actually done more traveling uh, in 2017 than I think I've done in the past five years combined, which is crazy. (laughs) But, um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you is, as a, you know, as a writer, like, I don't have anything published or anything, but I, I do know the importance of being able to get your thoughts, your ideas, your emotion, like, everything combined, like, out on paper and how how that sometimes just flows so easily and other times it's like, man, this is a job I have to get up and write today. Like how do you approach when you write? Do you like, do you approach it when you have your muse and you wake up in the morning and you have this thought in your head and you're like, I have to get this down on paper and I just got to let it go? Or do you approach it every day as, hey, I have to write today. I've got to write something today. I'm just going to throw some ideas down, even if they're not full concept, like full lyric ideas. I'm just going to throw it down. I mean, do you just write when you're struck by the muse, or do you write as 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 a like as a? You, do you sometimes feel like it's taxing, like a job, like I have to write? Is today. it regimented? Well, definitely. If if there's a bunch of songs that don't have lyrics, there. <laughs> that the band has that, you know, um, if we're planning on going in the studio and, you know, there's, a, there's, you know, three or four songs that need, need words and I'm the person who's supposed to write the words. And yeah, it can feel a little taxing, but for the most part, it, it's, you know, I'll have an idea, just a little ember or something that, uh, that I'll think about for a, a while. Um, I'll have maybe a couple little catchy lines that'll, come into my head and then I'll just build around that. And that's, that's the exciting part is just taking those little ideas and then just kind of building and building up, building on it. And I usually take a, it usually takes me quite a while to come up with a a finished product of a song. And even when it's on, I never, you know, and it's recorded and out there into the world, I never feel like it's hundred percent. Well, let me kind of end on this. Do you look back at your catalog of music? Is there stuff that you've moved beyond and you, and you look at it and you go, man, I can't believe I ever thought that way. Or is everything still out pissed? Is there, is there any songs that you can look at and go, I don't relate to this at all? Actually. Yeah. I don't think there is really, there's nothing that, that I wrote that I don't feel some connection to you know, maybe not as strongly as I did at the time. But yeah, certainly I think, uh, you know, just about everything I've done, I, I still, I still have a, yeah, certainly have a connection to. And, and when we play these songs live, I still feel the same way that I did when we, when we wrote them originally. That is a beautiful thing, my friend. All right, let's end there. We got to get out of here. Al, where can everybody find you and just kind of rattle off a few of your upcoming shows for us? Sure. Um, I guess, you know, the the easiest place to find me is on Facebook. 
Um, just search under Al Pist. You know, my profile is public, so you know anybody can find me. Um, November fourth is the uh, the first of the Pist reunion shows in Brooklyn. Uh, then we next we're doing it every weekend of November. So <sighs> November fourth, November eleventh in Baltimore. Then uh, the twelfth, we're shooting up to uh, Rhode Island to play with um, with Jerry's kids, which should Aww. be pretty cool. And the Straw Dogs. Um, Sweet. Then the following weekend, the eighteenth, we're going to be in Connecticut. Uh, all these shows are uh, are all ages, by the way, so everyone is welcome. Is um, hometown crowd still the best? Is the best reception you guys still get in Connecticut? Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I figured yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're doing uh, Connecticut and Boston, um, the 18th and 19th, and the 24th is going to be the uh, Take This Bird and Shove It Fest in um, in Philadelphia, and we're playing that day with uh, Abrasive Wheels and a bunch of other punk rock and bands. So, well, yeah, you can either find it. Any disaster, I will be there on the 12th up in Baltimore. Is it the 12th at the awesome. sidebar? Yeah, the 12th. It is. Uh, it's the 11th. 11th. Don't come gotcha. on the 12th. Yeah. You won't wait for me? I thought you and the band would just hang out. If you come on the 12th, we'll, we'll be in Boston that day. Damn you, Al Pissed. <laughs> yep. Oh. Mm. All that'll be left was what, what's left of the sidebar after we're done. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. All right. I'll be there the 11th. You talked me right. into it. All right, and we're um anywhere we can find a pissed. You guys are on Facebook too, right? You have a Facebook, an actual yeah, pissed Facebook yeah. We're Facebook. we're on there. We're we're not streaming anywhere or anything that I know of. Um, <laughs> you can always find our shit on YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah, lots of dedicated fans in that pissed army. All righty, Al. Yep. Thanks for right. calling in, and I will see hey. you in November. We'll do some interviews. Great talking to everybody. Thanks. Right Thank on. You. The, uh, we forgot to mention The Misadventures of Saucy. I'll be interviewing Al and the band on our new podcast. We have a yes. new YouTube channel. And where can they find us online? Of course. They can go to www. D? Yeah. Can you? Did I lose now? everyone? No. I'm now? here. Um, you guys have The Misadventures of Saucy, yes. where you guys are traveling the country talking uh, to previous guests uh, and current guests um, and doing videos of cool, fun, obscure stuff. And uh, that is going to be coming up, and there's lots of awesome stuff that you have planned that you've talked to me about, Nick. And uh, you can find that as it comes out this archive when it comes out and all of our other shows the funny thing about politics kettle of fish bath talks lots of cool stuff on tincan.media yes right on awesome. yes 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 all righty um good night guys are you gonna play some slogans d i am gonna play some slogans and uh anybody in the area remember come those shows are coming up go see them they'll be awesome yes all right, good night, guys. What is real anarchy? What is real peace? What is real freedom? Is it fighting the police? What about autonomy? Are you really in control? What about religion? Do you think you have a soul? Be careful what you wish for. Someday it may come true. Reality is here. Your dreams are bleeding black and blue. If you want to fight the government, then be prepared for war. 
What a ton of beasts and prepare to be ignored What about abortion? How about equal rights? Animal liberation? Will you stand up and fight? Are you a racial separatist? Does your guy stand apart? Or an existentialist and do you have a heart? Or is this just another cause that you pursue? There will come a day when you will have to see it through I don't work to my own minds, I've never changed a thing No one listens to a song and they're a puppet on a string Medicating! Thanks! Oh!